0: I'm Jesse Frizzell, and this is Go Time.
1: It's Go Time, a weekly podcast where we discuss interesting topics around the Go programming language, the community, and everything in between. If you currently write Go or aspire to, this is the show for you. So we are back for episode number 11 of Go Time. Uh, I'm Eric St. Martin. Today we have Brian Kettleson on the line. Brian, hello. And Carlicia Campos.
2: Hi, everybody. Glad to be here.
1: And our special guest today is the queen of containers, Jessie Frizzell. (laughs) How are you?
0: Good. How about
1: you? Doing great. So we are back. Uh, We were out last week. And we are back. We've got some good news before we get started. Uh, today, we're going to talk to Jesse about containers, all things containers, working on open source projects, and any other uh, fun topics that we come up with along the way. Before we get started, we have two uh, kind of exciting pieces of news. First, Carlicia is now officially a full-time Go developer. Ooh, yeah. Oh, my
2: gosh. Yeah.
1: Do you, want to <laughs> tell, you want to tell everybody a little bit about that, Carlicia?
2: Sure. So I've been open to this possibility for a while now, and uh, I will be joining the fine folks at Fastly next week. Next Tuesday will be my, my first day there, and I'll be in San Francisco for my onboarding week, and I'll be working remote from San Diego. I'm super excited. Uh, should definitely check out Fastly; They're awesome.
3: Well, that's great. That's, We're excited that's, for that's great it. Great news.
2: That's such a good team. I love all of them.
1: Yeah, no more Ruby,
2: no more Ruby. Mm -mm. Just go APIs and network stuff.
1: So and the second piece of news is not only are we not kicked off, but we have sponsors, so we actually have two sponsors uh, for this episode. Uh, Linode, who will be doing all of our hosting for the change and go time CMSs that are being worked on, we've talked about before, and also Equinox. And we'll talk a little bit about each of those later in the show, but first let's get started with Jesse. So Jesse, you also have a new job, right?
0: Yeah. So I started, um, two weeks ago at, uh, or yeah, I guess two weeks ago at Google. Um, but I really have only done one week of orientation and then I went to a conference, so it's sort of surreal.
3: (laughs) The business as usual for you, right? A a week of work, (laughs) a week of conferences.
0: Yeah. I mean, I submitted a few pull requests, so there was that. Um, I think I need to update them. <laughs> but yeah, business as usual.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. So you're getting to work on uh Kubernetes or
0: yeah, so I'll be working on Kubernetes. Um I don't know like specifically what yet. Um I just uh before I had previously made a PR to add uh set comp to Kubernetes and then I Made like a pull request to also clean up some Docker files and then go lint a few things. So hopefully that's good.
2: I want that's to put nice. some more. in and say congratulations, Jess. Alex.
1: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, everybody seems to be going to work for for Google now. I, I keep seeing everybody joining Google. So do you? I mean, who, it's
0: pretty nice.
1: <laughs> are you working with like Kelsey and everybody too?
0: Yeah. So like. Kelsey and them are all there and like uh, Francesc. It's all super cool people, it seems. And even like my first week, there was um, like multiple people emailing me who I had like maybe only seen their names on like a kernel mailing list. I'm like, whoa, you're really cool. Um, (laughs) So they just have like a ton of really cool people, I guess.
1: A little starstruck.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Sarah Allen from
2: Bridge uh, Foundry also just joined Google to do she's doing some mobile work and also using go.
3: Nice. That's awesome news.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so how long so you you first you started out on Docker, right? You were there for a few years, right? Or were you founding on the founding team or how long were you with Docker?
0: So, I had contributed before joining, but I think I was there like almost a year and a half or something. Or a little over a year and a half.
1: Definitely one of the most well-known members of the the Docker team
3: yeah almost the public face of of docker definitely we we should talk about you know how hard it is to kind be the OSS maintainer for such a large project
0: yeah, it's definitely painful um, and I actually missed it after <laughs> after leaving, which I never thought would happen um, but it is like super hard to be the person like giving people bad news all the time and then taking people's crap when they're frustrated because stuff's not working, which totally makes sense. And I get in that mood, too, when stuff's not working and then go yell at some maintainer somewhere. But uh, I think it's like easy to forget that there's another human being on the other side of the issue.
2: I wonder if you have uh, opinions on on how things could be better for maintainers in such a large pro- project. I'm
0: yeah, sure you have I mean, I, I have like a lot of... Um, crazy opinions uh one of the most interesting things i think is like uh if the maintainers and stuff from huawei that helped us they're located in uh china i think um but there's like a almost it seems there's a lost in translation type of the fact that they don't insinuate like that we're being mean or something um because a lot of other people will just like read it read a response out of context and maybe it's just a little blunt but it wasn't meant to come off that way. Um. So it's kind of funny that we all realize that the like Huawei contributors would respond back like so nicely, even when like maybe we were being a little bit like disgruntled. Um, so I think that, like keeping that in mind for everyone would be cool.
1: I think a lot of people when whenever you're upset about something, you're naturally going to read the other person's response as an attack. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the yeah. hardest thing is, is to take a step back and, and look at it objectively and not you know use your own current mood as your your means of interpreting what somebody's saying. Totally. So, yeah, tons of work. Yeah, I I don't envy you.
3: I can't it's even like, <laughs> imagine. It's like juggling cats that are already juggling chainsaws. It's like I, <laughs> yeah. everything's sharp and everything has claws. I submitted yeah. a pull request
1: <laughs> like 2 weeks ago to Docker and I think there was like 80 or something pull requests then. Now it's like well over a hundred. It's like 120 pull requests. It's like, wow. Oh gosh. Even keeping They must up be anxious
0: right now. now. Whenever we got to like a hundred or over a hundred, it's like we need to merge things or close things. It like gets scary.
1: So that was kind of your point. So yeah, I saw that post. Uh I think you posted it on Twitter earlier where somebody was like, uh, you know, my condolences. You're now a, an open source maintainer. Yeah. And I was talking about like finding that comfortable line where, you know, you can't close everything. So for, for Docker, it's a hundred.
0: So like, we'll usually stay around like 75 or so. Um, but once it hits over a hundred, it makes like almost everyone kind of that three digits it's rough, but like issues wise, it's like, I think that we honestly gave up. It's like, <laughs> not that we don't care about issues, but like there's no way that's ever going to go to some reasonable number. Right.
1: Right? No. And- Once it gets so big, people can't even keep up with the fact that they're submitting duplicate issues because you can't find a similar issue. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. We were even fortunate to have um, someone who was like so active in the project, like from the community itself. Like, I swear, we all like joke that he's like a human database of Docker issues. And he like, I swear, he really just like honestly knows them all. And he would be like, this one's it a throwback to like this other old one that's super, super old. And so eventually Docker ended up hiring him. And I think that's one of like the greatest <laughs> moves ever.
1: <laughs> it's like Damien for, for uh, Docker issues.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's crazy.
1: Uh, so do you guys keep statistics of like how long it takes to turn around issues or pull requests and things like that? I'm interested to see whether some have lagged so long you just had to delete them.
0: Yeah. So issues and stuff. um, There's definitely stats on this, but I don't actually know the uh, answer, but issues it's, it's like, we don't really care about the oldest there. Um, But with pull requests, we'll have like weekly maintainer meetings um, and we'll go through the oldest. And usually the oldest is something where it was like controversial, controversial. So it's nice to do those in the maintainer meetings because we can easily get like two look good to me from two people in the meeting Or, like, if people really are objecting to it, they can, like, voice their concerns there without us having to do 85 bajillion different uh, back and forths on the actual pull request itself. Um, So, usually that's only, like, it's a month old probably, tops.
1: That's not too bad. Yeah, that's not as bad as I was expecting it to be. Because you got to figure that it it grows faster than it goes down. Because the other... You're either spending time managing other people's pull requests or writing your own code. And that's got to be a hard debate which thing you work on.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a juggle because we used to I don't know if they still do this. They probably don't. But we would try to have like maintainer days where like, say, on Tuesday, one week, I was just closing issues that day. And then the rest of the week I got to write code. So almost everybody kind of had a day where they did stuff. But I think it happened more organically than that, And that if I was stuck on the actual feature I was building, I would then go and close things to, like, free my mind. Um, so I think that's almost, like, the best system, is just when it happens organically. Because when you get, like, stuck in a maintainer day, and, like, the day before that, you were, like, just about to finish your thing, sucks.
2: Yeah. How's your workflow, Jesse, for accepting PRs or evaluating PRs? Do you download the PR and run locally and run tests? Do you do, is there automated, how how does it go?
0: So um, normally I would just make sure that it has like the first CI passing, um, which is like checking that it's been signed and all that like stupid legal stuff. Um, And then like if it is actually green in the CI and like say it's just a small bug fix um, and they added a test case, I'll go in and like check out their change uh remove the fix and then make sure that the test fails without it. Um and then add it back in and make sure that it passes locally too, even though the CI just did it just for sanity's sake. Um and then if it's a bigger one, we'll usually have like some sort of designer view of it first. Um unless they just like popped into the repo and gave us a new feature. Um so yeah after design review, then we'd like go through and do like a full on code review. But I would say most pull requests that come in, they're like a typo change or some small fix. Uh, really, the feature requests are what take the most time. But when they're done correctly, it can be smoother.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually quite impressed by the pull request process for Docker when I went through that. Like there's a number of automated CI steps that it goes through. Ah, uh, there's a document that starts out. You know, describe what the problem is. Describe how you fixed it. Give us a one-liner for what what's going to go in the change log. Like, there's all this like documentation they they expect you to put in there, and it's really clearly defined. It's probably one of the best I've seen doing pull requests. Uh, we'll nice. Who we'll
3: put all that together, Jesse?
0: So um, the CI stuff, like before I started Docker at Docker, like we used Travis, and it only ran our unit tests, which like considering that you've made a change to Docker, you probably know that most of our tests are integration tests and they take a really long time. So we were testing the integration test by hand. So two people would have to look good to me on the PR and two people would have to test that PR locally, which is such a waste of time. It was basically like that uh, comic where it's like I'm waiting for it to compile, but like you were running tests.
1: I still rock uh, that T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, with the sword so, compiling, carry on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally. So we ended up like switching to Drone, and Drone had some issues with like Docker and Docker because we need very specific things to test Docker since we need Docker for Docker, and yeah, it's crazy. Docker, and it also just like totally messes with your server after. Um, so we. Um, then switched to Jenkins and, um, yeah, I kind of just switched it overnight. And like, at first a few people got mad, um, just because like (laughs) nobody likes change. Um, (laughs) and it didn't exactly work right away. Um, but once we got things working, like now it's all still in Jenkins and there's like multiple architecture builds and like, it's kind of cool. There's like arm power Z like IBM gave us these like power and Z nodes. And I was like, Ooh, mainframe. And then they ended up being really slow.
3: Did, Did you hack the Gibson? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it would have been cool.
1: <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about what you worked on for Docker, because Docker is a pretty big project and now it's split up across, I don't even know how many repos and, and sub projects, but uh, what kind of specifically did you enjoy working on?
0: Yeah, I think uh, most of the engine team itself worked on uh, more the container runtime stuff and like design of the CLI. Um, and then there was a whole nother team that handled the whole distribution of tarballs. Um, so, yeah, um, I liked more of that. And then also I ended up doing like that whole thing with the CI where I was like the CI sysadmin for like way too long. Um, and then also I like redid our entire bash scripts for our, our apt repo and uh, set up a RPM repo as well, um, which now they're stuck with these terrible bash scripts because of me, but um <laughs> Yeah, there was all that redo. I hope I have um, the name
1: right. I think it was Yehuda Katz that said this. And he said something along the lines of, like, uh, you know, the thing he fears the most about releasing stuff open source is having to maintain it. And it's almost the same thing. You build the CI thing out and, like, it's awesome. But now you're the maintainer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, like, it became, like, super stressful because the Windows servers that we had for some reason needed to be restarted like every other day. So just like the first 10 minutes of my day were like restarting Windows servers. And I was like, this is such a waste. And there was an entire team that did uh, CI for like inter- the enterprise side of Docker. And so finally um, they took it over and they like redid it. and made it way better than I ever could because I really didn't know that much about Jenkins and stuff like that. So I think now it actually runs like pretty well. Um, But yeah, it was pretty stressful there for a time. The entire CI once broke because of like a stupid kernel bug. And then we ended up upgrading to a kernel with another bug. And so I was basically like, computers just don't work. We should all give up now. Um, But then we got over it.
3: (laughs) I think we've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Like daily.
0: (laughs) Daily, I was going to say.
3: How can I love tech and hate tech so much at the same time? (laughs) It's terrible. So I have a question for you. It's a little bit of a different topic, but you've been at Docker, you've been at Mesos, and now you're at Google. Uh, many people say that Go is kind of the language of the cloud. You, you've seen pretty much the whole cloud now. What do you think about that, that preposition?
0: So at Mesosphere, they were writing a lot of C++. Like that's what Mesos is written in. And they even had like some cool like uh, networking stuff in Erlang and, and things. Um, but other than that, it's all... It's all to Go is what I've seen. Um, and, and I love Go. So obviously I'm biased. Um,
4: Nobody here loves But
0: Go. I even like, made a couple pull requests to Go and I want to make more as well because it's super fun to contribute to that. It's almost more fun than like, something on GitHub for some reason because it's like different and new. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's definitely the language of the cloud.
3: <laughs> what is it about Go do you think that, that makes it better for cloud work?
0: Um, probably the fast compile time because I, I honestly forgot when I was compiling Bezos, like how slow things used to be and like just with header files and everything needs to compile again. And I was just sitting there like twiddling my fingers, not knowing what to do with life. Um, so that that's definitely helpful. And just like being able to compile it into a binary and not have to worry about like SO files and stuff like that is so nice distribution.
3: Yeah, the static binaries make a huge difference. I would agree yeah. with that, sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big thing that attracted everybody to the language, is, is being able to do static binaries, but still have kind of a more dynamic feel to the language. Every time I go back to C or C++ and have to wait, like, oh, come on. <laughs> I think everybody should have to compile one just to keep us honest, though, right? Like, yeah, because I was
0: complaining thing. about like the the slowness that came with upgrading from 1.4 to 1.5 Go, and I was like, "What? I'm the terrible person, such a hypocrite! Like, I should not have done that." <laughs> After seeing what C++ was like,
1: yeah, we've joked about uh, the compile times now, but now, I mean, now they're they're back down to I think they split the difference. I think they're less than half way from uh, where they were from what between one four and one five, so. We're getting closer, but yeah, if you go back and compile a C or C++ app and then go back to Go, you realize just how fast it is.
0: It's amazing.
1: So um, I guess uh, we should probably stop and talk about sponsors real quick, right? I think now's a a good time, everybody.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: So Linode is the first one, and we kind of mentioned that all of our new CMS uh, architecture will be hosted on that, ours and Changelogs, because we are a part of Changelog. So Adam and Jared uh, really, really love uh, Linode and everything's going to be kind of hosted there. And I think uh, Brian was saying you had some experience with Linode, right, Jesse?
0: Yeah. So uh, since I set up RCI, we also needed a separate server for testing IPv6 because it's hard to do in most cloud providers. Um, But they had a really good setup. So we ended up using that, which was
3: nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Linode was one of the first VPSs I stood up you know, many, many years ago, probably 10 or 11 years ago now. Um, and I really enjoyed using it for a long time. Nice, yeah. I understand one of the, the neatest things about their setup is that you've got a CLI tool that you can use to manage it. Just get your API key and, and go to town managing your nodes directly from your terminal. I'm all about managing stuff from the terminal. Oh, that's cool. So you can just kind of run I didn't run even command. know
0: about that, and now I feel like I just did it a terrible way with bash scripts. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, one thing that is missing, I know they've got SDKs for Python and Perl, PHP, Ruby, and Java, Node, but there is no Go SDK. So anybody who's out there looking for an opportunity to make a mark in the Go land, it, a good place to start might be uh, Linode SDK for Go. And we have
1: a discount code too, which is GoTime20, and you get two months free, uh, which is a $20 credit because the, the nodes are, are $10 each. Per month, yeah.
3: Yeah. And these are all SSD, and I think they have eight
1: data centers to choose from.
3: They do. And they've got uh, really nice Xeon E5 processors, 40 gigabit network. Uh, you can go to linode.com slash GoTime to get started. Let them know we sent you because we're awesome, and so are they.
2: So people are asking if they can make an SDK for a node. Not, really, not only you can, but you should. You should do right. go SDK for a node. That's what we're looking for.
3: How long do we have left on this episode? And go. <laughs> 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 and pull requests submitted. That's awesome news. So they have lots of add-ons. They can do backups for you. They can do load balancing. Um, they do some management professional services and DNS as well. So give them a, a shot. It's, it's kind of a uh, one of the... The original, the OG BPS providers, if you, if you will. And they're pretty cool. Our other sponsor is Equinox. And we've talked about Alan Shreve a couple times and his other project, Ngroc. Equinox is pretty slick because it, um, it allows you to manage updates for the applications that you send out to your customers. And my job at Backplane, we use Equinox to uh, deliver the command line application that lets you update your backends. So Equinox is pretty slick. I think I wrote maybe a three-line bash script that allows us to uh, deliver that new command line application up to Equinox's server and then using Equinox's infrastructure you can either do a brew install or an rpm install, debian um or just download a tarball or a zip file or a windows msi installer. Uh, it's amazing that you know we just do one quick bash script to upload that that source code and it gets compiled for all the different platforms uploaded to equinox's infrastructure and then all of our customers regardless of their platform can stay updated all the time they just have to uh, implement a small api in their app and then the app becomes self-updating so when we release a new version they just type backplane update and it automatically upgrades their app
1: Pretty neat. Yeah, so that's kind of the coolest thing I thought was the rolling all the RPMs and all that stuff for you. Like Jesse was kind of mentioning that earlier. Like that becomes a process in itself, just kind of uh, deploying all the packages for stuff and the self-updating thing. I, I want to play with that. I saw this, uh, you talked about it. I think it was maybe a year or so ago I saw it and I kept meaning to to go play with the self-updating part and I have not yet and I feel bad.
3: It really is. In fact, I think I started at uh, Backplane and mid-April maybe, and it was the first thing I did. Maybe my second day there, the first code I submitted was the Equinox uh, client, and we couldn't be happier with how easy it is to run. Nice. Very very nice. So go to equinox.io and sign up for their automated application delivery service with self-updating stuff. You won't be disappointed at all.
1: And remember, when you support our sponsors, you keep us on the air. (laughs)
3: That's right. The the network will pick us up for another season. And and hopefully that season will be as epic as Game of Thrones is this season. I think that's hard to compare. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming in with dragons next week. But this
2: is true, though. These companies have other places they can advertise, and they're advertising with us because they support us.
3: Yay, thanks to our sponsors. So, uh, Jesse,
1: I, I saw something on your Twitter profile. It got me laughing um maintainerati oh yeah into a bike shed near you
0: <laughs> so um yeah i uh decided after i wrote that blog post about closing pull requests to um start a like conference that's more like an open space for maintainers because it seemed like a lot of the maintainers that responded to my blog request like had like had a cool ideas about ways to fix things or even just like problems they were having. And they were so similar to the ones that like we saw that I was like, obviously we need a space to talk and combine and conquer.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So have you set dates and a location for that?
0: Yeah. So it's going to be, um, thanks to GitHub at their office in San Francisco on February 15th.
1: Awesome. How many people are going to be there?
0: So I think we're going to cap it at like 120 for the first one just so that uh, we can make sure that it's not out of control and certain you don't want people can like talk and discuss the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And where do people sign up for the events? So uh, we have a website like uh, maintainerati.org. And right now it's just a a form fill out with uh, email addresses. And then I think we're going to like send out invites pretty soon once I get my life together.
1: (laughs) Cool. Everything about that, I started laughing. (laughs) Like coming to a bike shed near you and won't fix Cabal. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's called the Won't Fix Cabal, and it's basically run by the maintainer because I already <laughs> own that domain.
1: <laughs> so so you, it started with you did the container right?
0: Yeah, which I haven't really used that domain for anything cool, and I should. But yeah, somehow, like, I should combine the two into, like, the ultimate cabal. I don't know.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you call that? It's like the maintainer of the, uh, the container or... <laughs>
0: Like the red wedding of containers.
2: <laughs> I have very serious concerns for the day after this conference. All these maintainers and anarch- anarchists are going to come back and just not fix the
3: internet. Yeah, they're just going to start closing issues left and right.
0: Yeah. So, like, me and Katrina Owen, who, like, uh, she just recently joined GitHub, she was like, yeah, they want to hear about all the features that, like, the maintainers want. And I was like, it's so ironic that, like, we're going to be the ones demanding features from GitHub.
3: There's a, a really juicy irony in that, isn't there?
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what other
1: things you got going on lately? You mostly caught up with uh, your, your new gig with Kubernetes or you're working on anything personally for projects, you're, you're always seeming to be trying to port new things to run into, run inside containers. We actually were joking that you were probably trying to get Skype in a container.
0: So no, I, okay. So one, I had Skype working in a container, um, on this computer (laughs) too that I was trying to use. I literally have like three computers in front of me right now. Um, but it, it just like decided to fail, of course, because computers. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess Personally, I made that like a contain.af website, which I should add more questions to. But it's like a quiz game to help people learn about like figuring out things in their environment, as far as what syscalls and capabilities you have. Um, but honestly, I don't have time for that because I'm still trying to like figure out my new job and stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, so so for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, Jesse's dot files are the most amazing thing on the planet. I think that if <laughs> if I could take a month. And just go spelunking through those dot files, I would be the happiest man on the planet. Yeah, I'm not important anymore. Brian used to borrow my dot files.
1: Sorry. I
2: went to, to check out her Vim files because I remember Brian mentioning it. And next week, I'm getting a brand new machine, and for the first time in I don't know three or four years, I'm going. have decided that I'm going to have clean slates. Oh. So I checked out Jess's Vim file, and not only. It's a, you know, the vmrc file. She actually has a make file there for you to run and and just magically configure all the things.
1: Just so you stove for all of that. (laughs) That way I can have kind of folders for each thing. And then when I'm on a machine, I can just kind of symlink the things that I want for that machine.
3: Yeah,
0: I love the symlink thing. It's so nice.
3: These dot .files are a thing of beauty. So there's containers for everything and then a beautiful little bash script that converts the command that you want to run into the container command to actually run the container. It's, it's beautiful. they probably, how long does it take to build all those Docker files and, and actually ship them up to a uh, Docker hub?
0: So Follows? I actually, <laughs> I have a private registry where I host them because for some reason, and I think that they're trying to fix it, like my automated builds on Docker hub, like they just don't build um, because I think I just have too many. So I have a private registry that has like Jenkins hooked up to it so that it runs continuously and just uh, pushes them there. (laughs) And then I secretly use that while everybody uses my public ones.
3: You really are the container queen.
1: Docker registry is telling you like, all right, Jesse, this is getting out of hand.
0: (laughs) So what used to happen because I have like multiple Docker files in one repo itself, there's like over a hundred in that one repo. And it's just like the infrastructure is not built to rebuild all those Docker files the second I push. Cause I'll push multiple times per day and like maybe like a force push right after I just pushed because I messed something up. So it, it, I think it like just times out on like after rebuilding 10 of them and it's a random 10 every time or something.
1: It's no like idea. a denial of service attack every time you push. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's really bad. And like finally, someone noticed that like work there other than me because I think that I have like a very long standing issue open about this. Um, but then they were like, oh, this looks really bad that like your Docker files that a lot of people use are super out of date. And I'm like, yeah, I just kind of gave up on it working. So
1: <laughs> I just love every time somebody mentions something, it's almost like you're like, challenge accepted.
0: Yeah. I, I almost feel like there hasn't been... It's been a while since someone said something that I have not actually containerized yet. So, like, it, it makes me worrisome for, like, the future.
1: <laughs> I, I got a big one for you. A window manager. Like,
0: Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I've been meaning to try that. Everyone's like, why don't you run i3 in a container? And it just, like, makes me think that at that point I'm making Rancher on the desktop.
3: Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bad thing, though?
0: No, that's something that would be so cool. But I I would need help from Darren. (laughs) He had X working at one point, and I don't know if it was, like, correct X. He, like, wouldn't let me use it. And I was like, okay, please.
1: (laughs) He was just keeping it a secret to himself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, like either it was so bad that he didn't want me to even try it, or, like, it's so cool that they're going to, like, do something with it. I have no
3: idea. There's about... I guess three weeks, a year or a year and a half ago, where I ran CoreOS on my desktop as my primary developer machine. And it Whoa, was nice. Challenging. It was challenging. I, I won't lie.
0: Like everything's in a container then.
3: Yeah. Everything had to be in a container and, and it it was painful.
1: Yeah, I tried like, that for a workstation done. for a little while and I got I got a little annoyed. Because like for your own for your own desktop, you want it to be pristine, but sometimes you just gotta get stuff done and you shortcut and you wish you didn't, but Yeah, we did. Yes, that actually
0: like keeps me up at night. I just, I can't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It would keep me up at night if all sorts of other things weren't already keeping me up at night. (laughs) It's like there's no more time left. Uh, All right, so everybody wants to talk about any news and projects?
2: I actually had a question for Jess. Is there time still? Yeah. All right, so Jess.
1: There's always time for Jess.
2: Question about your prolific uh, speaking life what can you share with us so we who are not speaking we're not doing lightning talks we're not doing conference talks what can you share with us for us to take the first step
0: so yeah i think that the first time that i actually spoke somewhere was at a brooklyn js meetup in new york um and that was really cool because it was like all people that i knew there so it was super comfortable feeling so i would almost say like meetups are are awesome as a, as a start. And then, um, I got asked because of, uh, Steve Francia to, uh, got them go. So that was like my first big conference and I was like super nervous. I think that's like the first time I also showed G parted in a container, which is super not related to go, but I was just like taking up time.
1: Um, let's start with a G. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's around there. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, like even uh, having people to like uh, say that you should speak at certain conferences and stuff is huge.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so I'm taking, my takeaway here is try to do it in a setting where you know people in the audience and uh, to make an effort to invite people who are, who are not speakers to start speaking. I had that experience myself my first time. The first time that I did a lightning talk was My very first job out of school, my very first programming job, and I had to do it. It was so painful, but I didn't have an option. Otherwise, I was like, no way. And I did it. Now, the second time that I did it again was a few years later, and it wasn't painful at all. So having that person there to say, hey, why don't don't you do this talk here? Thank you. It helps a lot.
1: Yeah, I think nerves get to people. And coming from the other side, too, like, you know, Brian and I, right? we're we're a ball of nerves stepping up on stage and all we have to do is welcome people. We don't have to give a technical talk. Right. So I think being comfortable with the fact that I think everybody is nervous and then thinking, yeah. you know, the crowd doesn't want to see you fail. Right. Everybody's rooting for you. You know, everybody w- wants you to do a good job. So I, I think getting over that and more you're talking to friends than, than this whole, you know, the light you put yourself in sometimes helps, but. Yeah, and I mean, and having other people who speak a lot too is also helpful. Like that can give advice and, and kind of, you know, make people understand that it's, it's normal to feel that way.
2: Yeah. And there are a lot of people who want to help on that front.
1: Yeah. There's, there's been a number of people for GopherCon who have offered to like help review talks and to give speaking advice and all that stuff. And I'm actually quite surprised how, how much people rehearse. Like I never really thought about that. You know, like uh, I was talking to Dave Cheney one time and he was talking about how many times he rehearses it to make sure he's got his timing down. Right. And like he, he knows exactly like when he's falling behind and has to speed up or slow down and stuff like that, because he knows from this slide how long it takes to get to the end. And I'd never really Whoa. thought about it that way. Yeah. And but preparation, right, is, is everything. If you're yeah. if you're fully prepared, then you're not nearly as nervous because you've rehearsed it so many times. I think people step up on stage and they get nervous and they rush and they don't realize where they're sitting and they're, whether they should slow down or speed up, which only adds to the nerves. And... Totally. But yeah, and I mean, anybody who's speaking, um, we can compile a list too because I know we've had a few people for um, GopherCon offer um, help with people wanting to get up on stage and speak. And we can make connections there where we can maybe give people advice on, on doing that. Did you did you submit a proposal to GopherCon, Jesse?
0: Um, I do not think I did. Probably because I was like so busy. Um, but yeah, like in another year, or so I definitely want to. Um, this is my first GopherCon that I'm like actually going to, and I'm
1: so stoked. It's gonna be awesome. Did you see that? Uh, um, uh, Jared started a, uh, a container tech room on Hackday.
0: Yes. I'm very excited for that. All he did was say <laughs> containers and I just like popped into his mentions. You're like one of those people.
1: <laughs> I love I the response. Choose. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so cool. so th- the idea there is that I get a bunch of people together who want to hack on things like Kubernetes and the and, uh, various core OS projects and Docker and all that stuff. And that's one of the rooms I want to hang out in if, if I can hide for long enough.
0: There's too many nice. cool yeah. things going Hiding on. Hiding at conferences is key.
1: <laughs> yeah, but see, I'll have a, I will have a phone and they keep calling me. And if I, <laughs> if I turn it off, they send people to come find me. <laughs> There's only so many places you can hide.
4: Totally.
1: All right, so projects and news. Anybody got anything exciting they want to talk about?
4: Yeah. So talking about
2: presentations, uh, I got some help from Bill Kennedy recently to do my GoBridge talk at at the Women Who Go event. So he gives me this formula that he was inspired by Dave Cheney's post or like they worked on it together. I'm not very clear on that, but it was so, it made us, it made me lay out my talk so quickly and easily. And then he revealed it. And then I got a better idea of what, he, what the formula was. And then I did, a, I got so excited about it that I did two lightning, uh, I submitted two lightning talks for go for Con, one for go for Con and one for the kickoff party. I was like, yep, I got this. No problem. <laughs> I can write. I have a formula. I just fill f- stuff in. And voila, of course, I still need to put the slides together and I still need to rehearse. But that just getting the, the abstract and the intro ready in the conclusion, it's like once you got there, you've got more than 50, 50% of the content ready. And we put it up on the GoBridge. Arc. It's, it's a repo called Presentation Help. So And I hope people will add more to it too. So I just put this up today. I would love to see people contributing uh, with uh, links to other stuff. And I'll do that. T- I'll do that too with time. as I want into things.
1: I'll have to find some too. Uh, Katrina Owen sent a bunch of uh, like links and videos and uh, book suggestions. I know she was sent me on Twitter. Uh, ah. For kind of the public speaking stuff, I'll find those. And
2: yeah, I'll- if you give them to me, I know you're super busy. I'll put it in. And she's also on the Women Who Go channel. And she has last year she put a bunch of information. She opened the Trello boards. Women, we have resources. Uh, so yeah, I wanna I wanna ke- get this thing kicked off. Uh, I know Cassandra Jill from Iron IO was looking for women to speak at the at the Gopher Fest recently. And she only got one submission for for a woman from a woman, and it wasn't even technical enough. So there are women gophers out there. So let's get them speaking.
0: Totally.
3: Yeah. Speaking right? of women gophers, that women who go uh, birthday party last week was awesome. That was yeah, so much fun. That was the really only fun. one who missed out.
1: Sorry, late <laughs> to the party. I was sitting home with FOMO.
2: Yeah, there were <laughs> a lot of people didn't get to talk to Jesse included. The time just went by so fast and yeah, it was awesome.
1: I feel that way every year at GopherCon. It's like,
3: yay, we're here. This is going to be awesome. And then it's like, we're backing up and leaving. (laughs) Yeah, And and you missed talking to 1,475 of your friends because you only got time to talk to 20.
1: Well, I feel bad too, (laughs) because it was like the first year, you know, we dealt with everything uh, individually, but it's grown so big and, you know, doing the day jobs and stuff too. Like I'll, I'll look and I'll be like, there's speakers I didn't actually get to talk to and like that it's hard. So I want to try and change that this year. If I don't <laughs> find, if I don't find all the speakers, they need to come find me because I, I don't want to miss
3: talking to speakers. And now I'm just laughing because we know it's not going to happen. We're not going to get to talk to everybody. It's just <laughs> not, it's not going to happen.
1: Show up at my door at home. If I don't, That's right. find the conference. <laughs> that'd be kind of
3: hard. I don't think I want to publicize my address. <laughs> I, I will. Eric lives at. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another interesting open source project that uh, got an update this week is GoKit. Who has a fancy new, pretty website, uh, GoKit.io. A very nice website with a good, clear explanation of the goals of the project and uh, the details behind each of the packages. Uh, a long overdue update for their website. It looks really good. Oh, GoKit. Awesome. Yeah. We have to get Peter on sometime too and, and
1: and chat go kit.
4: Yep. Definitely.
1: I want to talk about uh a post I saw by uh Francesc, uh on what was it the I forget what he he called it. It was like analyzing code with BigQuery or something. Or oh, yeah, that was the, so cool. I love his wit too because it's like, you know, 2 seconds and $7 later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I want to work at that scale where like, you know, you're just billing like, yeah, I needed to run a $7 query. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was crazy, though. When I saw that thing, I was like one query for $7. Wow. I, I,
1: I want to see what the, the bill is to do that. Like, how much did that blog post cost? <laughs>
2: what I want to know is what is his budget? That's what I Oh, want yeah. To know.
0: Right?
3: All right, Jesse, <laughs> you're, you're the insider now. you got to tell us what his budget is.
0: I have no idea, though. I mean, I I don't even have a budget for cloud for my stuff, so.
1: You will soon. (laughs) There there were some interesting things that came out of that, though. Um, Seeing, I mean, aside from, like, the crazy regular expressions that were on there, it was kind of cool seeing what packages people used uh, most often. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seemed like a lot of it was logging packages, like Glog and Loggerus. and
0: yeah, there was a Logrus, and then another one that was like top two.
1: The I think the one that surprised me was um, Assert, like it, it was used like more than anything. It was mu- used more than like the Context package and a bunch of other things. I was really kind of surprised to see that up there. The the Testify mm-hmm. framework, oh, yeah. which I haven't actually used, but it must be used quite a bit for it to be up there. But I tend to stick old school. I use a lot of standard standard library.
0: Yeah, I usually use the standard, and then like I think that we switched actually to assert. No, we use GoCheck in Docker, uh, but I've seen assert used elsewhere.
1: I guess I haven't used Go Check either. Is that does it do mocking or anything like that, or is it just extra assertions on?
0: It's just extra assertions. I think that we were going to use the other one and then we found some weird bug and then submitted a patch but then decided to use GoCheck. I have no idea what we did there.
1: Somebody picked it and everybody stuck with it.
0: Yeah. And if we ever chose anything new today, it would become this huge like monstrosity because so many people would have opinions. It's like at, at some point you just have to choose it and then deal with the people that are mad.
1: I guess that's the benefit of working on smaller projects, right? Is because generally you can you can get more people to agree on stuff the bigger it gets you're almost guaranteed to have at least a couple people that you can't get consensus with and people who who won't move at all
3: so the the flip side of that though is the benefit of sticking with a standard library is you don't have to have fights about which testing library to use
0: yeah for sure
3: it's
1: like we can we can all agree on one or we can agree on none yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally
1: yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a couple extra steps and stuff to to do your own assertions, but I haven't suffered enough to to really go playing with another framework. And I think a lot of that's just time, too.
3: It's, especially in testing, though, there's really nothing that I need to do in testing that I haven't been able to do with the testing package.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. Um because every single testing that I write of my own is only the testing package. It's just cleaner, I feel like. Yeah.
3: Easier to read. And that's what Go's all about easy to read code. Totally.
1: So the other thing I saw was um, uh, who was it from Cloudflare that did the net HTTP timeout post?
0: Oh, uh, uh, Felipeo. I don't know how to say his name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, that actually had a couple of things in there that I didn't even realize. Um, he walked through basically how all the timeouts and deadlines worked in the HTTP package. And there were a couple of them that actually surprised me. So one of them what was it? it was like your right timeout included the read during the TLS handshake. And you wouldn't expect that. But there was a couple of things like that. But that's an interesting read if anybody's interested in internals sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, their blog is so, it's so good for like a company blog. It's very
3: detailed and technical. It's deliciously technical.
0: It's so good. And they like go into kernel stuff too. There was one on um, like getting the kernel to send packets faster and stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that post. Uh, that, was, that was a while ago. but Yeah, it's yeah, like
0: I, burned in my brain. It was so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love I, I love watching all those posts on there. There was one last month that was something to do with optimizing TLS that was really good, too. Um, oh, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I geek out over a lot of their posts just because they're all super low-level and technical.
2: Well, now I'm going to have to ask, do you ever read the Fastly blog?
1: No, I actually haven't. Do they have a They have a, a very good blog? blog,
2: too. Yeah, they do.
1: Uh-oh, I'm going to have to. You're giving me more stuff to read here. I don't have time for this.
2: <laughs> well, just read the right thing then.
1: <laughs> and joking. So I need somebody to curate these lists for me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian does it with, with Go, or GitHub project. He just comes to me with a list of the cool ones. I don't have to dig through the whole thing. So now I just need somebody to give me a curated list of technical blog posts.
4: Yeah. The more technical, to...
1: the better. I, hope, I like when they make me feel dumb, because then it mean, means I have to learn stuff to understand it. <laughs> Some of these, it's, it's not hard to make me feel dumb either.
2: There's one more project I wanted to mention. Uh, Jesus Garcia Crespo. He mentioned the uh, concourse, and uh, I hadn't heard about it. It's a CLI. It's an open source CLI system for Go. So if you want to host your own CLI, not CLI, I'm sorry, CI.
3: CI, yeah, Concourse is a really good
2: CI. Oh, cool. If you want to host your own CI, we talked about CI so much, and I was not even saying the right thing. There we go.
4: That's a good one. What's that?
3: Oh, I was just jumping to Free Software Friday. If you've got something to add for Concourse, go for it. Uh,
1: No, I was just going to say that... um, I tend to to kind of lean towards either Jenkins or Bamboo just out of habit, but I need to give something else a try. But I haven't ran my own CI locally in in quite some time. But yeah. So the other thing I actually just saw on Twitter, I think just before we started the show was that etcd3
3: is now out.
0: Oh, whoa, cool.
3: Yeah. What's what's changed there? So etcd2 brought gRPC, didn't it? I wonder what the uh, big, big change is for etcd3. Yeah,
1: and one of them brought um, the new raft protocol too. What was that? Was oh, that maybe that was, was at cd2? Yeah,
3: so maybe yeah, three I think, is where they changed to all the gRPC bits.
1: Yeah, and I, the one thing I know came in it was um, watches, like so you can watch for
3: keys to change. Oh, like zookeeper um, style watches? Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, that's nice. other, other than that, I'd have to look because I haven't kept up with the release. That's the problem with like being excited about too many things is you can't, you can't 100% know what's going on in all of them. But that's one mm-hmm. I vaguely remember. Um, I think you are right, though, about gRPC being used instead of protobufs.
3: Nice.
1: Or uh, I'm sorry, using gRPC with protobufs, rather, because before it was all HTTP and uh, JSON, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. So, but yeah, we should, we should look after this.
3: I want to see what's, what else is in there that doesn't help the listeners, but well, they're helping us out on the Slack channel. So I'll I'll read off the list, the improved, (laughs) improved latency and throughput, less protocol overhead via GRPC API layer, better disk utilization, new storage backend with less memory overhead per key, automatic TLS configuration. Flat binary key space, getting keywatch by prefix, getting keywatch by interval. Uh, lots of good stuff here. I'm, I'm excited to see what etcd3 uh, offers. This is cool.
1: See, they don't even need us anymore. We just need everybody who's in the channel.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thanks for feeding the stuff to us, guys.
2: Talking about, feeding. <laughs> talking about feeding, Jared just reminded us that there is such a thing as called ChangeLog Weekly. You're looking for feeds of awesome stuff. There we go. Eric.
1: That is right. How, how do we not talk about Changelog Weekly?
2: Yeah. It's every Saturday morning. Usually I sleep in a little. So I get up and I open my phone. And there you're sleeping
3: in is like 6 a.m. <laughs> you're
1: like, you're <laughs> yes. always
3: up at like 5 a.m.
4: Yeah. So
3: that, that's funny because I, I don't look forward to Changelog Weekly nearly as much as I look forward to Changelog Nightly which i get almost midnight every night that's when i know it's time to go to bed i look at changelog nightly which has a list of all of the um, uh, bursting in interest things on on github so it kind of shows you the the projects that are taking off on github and that's that's kind of a neat way to catch new and interesting projects so the changelog nightly email that's my cue to go to bed when when i see that come through i read it and then i go to bed
1: Actually, I, I don't think I'm signed up for the nightly one, the weekly one I am, but not the nightly. That's terrible. I mean, how can you how can you be a, a co-host on a changelog podcast and not actually be subscribed to
3: all of this <laughs> stuff? Or taking away your license <laughs> to podcast. Right. Next week, it'll just be Brian and Carlicia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can subscribe to those things. I suspect that if you went to changelog.com and started clicking on buttons, you could find an email subscription form there, but they're both well worth it.
1: it nobody needs us. Somebody's about to drop them in the Yeah, channel. that's
3: right. Just wait for somebody to tell us on Slack what the URL <laughs> is. <right>? So, <laughs> so on that note, we should probably move on to Free Software Friday.
4: Right. So
3: uh, every week we like to, to say a shout out to... Um, the, either the projects or the maintainers of open source projects that make us happy. And it's something that we enjoy quite a bit because we know that oftentimes running an open source project or maintaining an open source project is a thankless job. So uh, I'll start off this week with JQ. Um, if you haven't used JQ, it's the most awesome command line tool ever if you need to deal with JSON. You can pipe JSON to JQ and pull out a single element. You can reformat it. You can prettify it. Uh, pretty much anything you need to do with JSON on the command line, JQ is your tool. It's written in C. It's super fast. And I think it should be installed just like and said in grep. It's, it should be a standard Unix utility.
0: That's pretty cool. Nice. I use that all the time. I like, yes, it should be in the core utils.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> should come on all Linux installs.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Carlicia, what do you have?
2: I have this tool called uh, Go Convey. And yes. it, it, see, I had never seen this. I don't use it. Uh, just disclaimer. It was mentioned to me by Ricardo Longa. And you, if you don't know what it is, it, well, it's a tool for testing, Go. And, but if you haven't used it or don't know, you have to go on the repo to see, check it out because it's impossible to explain. It just makes, it, makes your test run on your browser and it's, it's uh, pretty and colorful.
3: Yeah, so, so. GoConvey is really nice. It, it, there's two pieces to it. They're, they have their own uh, like assertion um, BDD sort of language framework, but the, the other piece is that they've got that beautiful UI for uh, running your tests, so you can open up a web browser and you can watch, watch everything be green or flash red when there's errors, and that doesn't require using their special test framework you can use it with a standard testing package. So GoConvey go is really nice. We that, use that seems
1: to be the, the um, confusion, I think, for some people, because uh, unless they change the website, it used to focus a lot on the custom assertion kind of framework they had, and it wasn't as noticeable, but you can use that, which is standard, uh, standard library testing.
2: Yeah, thanks for the clarification, because being that I haven't used that, I don't know all the details. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it does browser notifications and stuff to show you uh, uh, passes and fails and all that stuff, so you can kind of just keep keep running. But yeah, it's, it's a really cool project. And Jesse, we're kind of blindsiding you here, but you have an open source project. You want to think?
0: Totally. I mean, okay, so I have one, and then I have like a little small tidbit. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I got really excited because I really like this. Um, there's this really cool project by Brian Redbeard from CoreOS. And it's called Gbg Git, and it automatically does the whole get this GbG signature and check it against this like file that I just downloaded without you having to do all that like same curl piping crap. Um, so that's pretty neat. And then also uh, my coworker from Docker, Michael Crosby. He has, like, the world's best gists, but, like, they're undocumented and just completely, like, random. But you'll find yourself in, like, this gold mine of just, like, something 75% finished, but super epically awesome. So there's are just
1: searching around for for treasures.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he's going to be mad at me for uh, stalking his gists.
2: (laughs) We need need the link. What is the link? What is the, the account name?
0: Oh, uh, for so. I think it's The Crosby GPG Michael. Git is Brian Redbeard slash GPG Git, and then uh, just Crosby Michael on GitHub Gists. Okay.
4: <laughs> cool.
1: I'll, I'll link. I'll link uh, Michael's we've seen a bunch of stuff by him before too.
0: Yeah, because you you all know him.
1: Yeah, from back in the the whole Skynet thing that nice. kind of got abandoned. <laughs> Skydoc. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so the only thing that lived through all of that was SkyDNS.
3: <laughs> but at least it lived well. Yeah, it still, still lives. Yeah, until so yeah, somebody
1: writes something better. <laughs> all right, so my uh, my project this week is uh, Ranger, which is a uh, file manager for Linux, and it has Vi key bindings. It's all written in curses and all that jazz. So that's kind of what I use uh, on my system when I'm. I need a file manager anyway, but it has kind of cool previews and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, I have to admit I hadn't seen that before. But when you put it in the show notes, I I brew installed it on my Mac, and I was instantly impressed because command line file management is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's got multiple (laughs) columns and all that. All that good stuff.
3: Midnight Commander, but better, but better. Yeah, (laughs) it has to be better. DOS age. When I was a kid, we didn't have Windows. We had DOS, and we used Midnight Commander.
0: I have a DOS computer in front of me right now.
3: Nice.
1: <laughs> of course that, you do. <laughs> that's not your work computer, is it?
0: No, it's just everything else is stacked on top of it right now.
1: <laughs> I don't think I want to know what a C or C++ build takes on
0: that. Oh, God. it's it, So bad, probably.
3: It doesn't count if you're using it as a monitor stand, Jesse. Right. It has to be on. <laughs> yeah. it, to it
0: really has a like computer on top of it and then um, it, a plant. <laughs>
1: is, is that the, the um, San Francisco version of like a college apartment rather than like milk crates you have like old like 486 computers and stuff like that as coffee tables pretty <laughs> much tables. I'm like
0: a San Francisco <laughs> computer hipster <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, a, a lot of people are, are getting back into collecting old hardware like that and what was that new um, Kickstarter that just came out the chip like that looked really cool too being able to play kind of retro games on it and stuff. Oh, I haven't Whoa, seen that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to link to that. Um, Dave just got one and he was all pumped. He sent me a picture. <laughs> he's like, dude, it came. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's awesome. He's like so addicted to hardware too. He does the coolest projects. What I want to know is how people get the time for all this stuff. I feel like there's just not enough time in a day.
3: I think it has something to do with no kids.
0: <laughs> and no sleep.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, I think we got the no sleep thing covered.
0: <laughs> oh, totally. Buy your kids though. <laughs>
1: that's it's true just using tip.
0: that time for something else.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. Does anybody have anything else we want to chat about before we uh, call it wraps? I think we are about out
3: of time. Oh, it, I don't show think there's anything awesome. we didn't cover. Did we? Did we miss anything on the whole internet today? I don't think this so. is fun. I think we could hang out here all day
1: hmm It's it's still early where you are, right, Jesse?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like two.
1: Uh all right. So I want to thank everybody for being on the show, especially Jesse. Uh this has been uh a lot of fun. I want to thank the listeners. I
3: definitely want to thank our new sponsors, um Linode and equinox. What's that? I said hooray. And I'd also like to thank Duncan for uh interrupting our broadcast when my kids showed up. We have a new co host. <laughs> yeah, Duncan, my dog. <laughs> the kids think he's named after Dunkin' Donuts, but he's really named after Duncan Idaho from Dune.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So if you are not subscribed already, uh, go to GoTimeFM to subscribe. Uh, we follow us on Twitter, which is Gotime FM. You can find us on Slack in GoTimeFM channel. And we have a GitHub, which is GoTimeFM slash ping if you want to suggest uh, topics or guests. Uh, and I think that's it. Um, show notes. We will have everything we've talked about, and we will put links to both Equinox and Linode and uh, any discount codes that we have uh, available for those. And I think with that said, oh, and next week we are gone because all of us here will be at go So we can have a live roundtable discussion. Not live, Wait. like recorded, but live, like come talk to us
3: discussion.
2: <laughs> it's not next week, though.
3: No, next oh, week we're recording. Right. <laughs> next okay. week
2: we have uh, yeah. beyang
3: That's right. Don't, don't take that week away from me, Eric. I need it. <laughs> 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 we're losing time.
1: For some reason, I'm thinking next week. Okay, so yes, next week we have Beyang uh from Sourcegraph on the show, and then it's Gopher.
3: Then it's yeah. Gopher, and and we will be live streaming GopherCon this year on Twitch. So if you're in the audience and you won't be able to make it to GopherCon. Uh, twitch.tv slash go that is going to be epic
1: i'm excited
4: super i'm so right. stoked
1: <laughs> yeah come find us too jesse
0: oh i will i will be finding everyone you'll like <laughs> be sad that i'm there at one point because you'll be like oh jesse
1: <laughs> we're, we're gonna send you like we're gonna give you like a paper like a the head sheet or face sheet with pictures of everybody <laughs> And you're going to have to mark them off when you find them. <laughs> oh, oh well, yeah, to, Like bingo. A bingo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turn it into like a whole game for everybody. They have to like acquire <laughs> something from each person on the list. <laughs>
2: nice. <laughs> so Jesse is not on the GoTime Slack channel, but Adam is saying, say hi to on camera with us, Jesse. That's Adam from ChangeLog. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. ChangeLog will be there because we love ChangeLog. So they it was, they'll be there doing interviews with everybody. So, yeah. Come over and say hi on camera.
0: Oh, cool. Okay.
1: I promise they edit it so they won't, they won't make you look bad.
0: Nice. I mean, there's <laughs> so many bad shots of me in conference videos that it does not matter.
1: It's, it's like DMV <laughs> photos. The ones you want to see never end up there.
0: Like, yeah, I, I feel like it's just an ultimate troll.
1: <laughs> if you want to see the worst one, the state of Florida with their concealed carry permits... Oh my Everybody God. I've ever seen their picture on their concealed carry permit looks like they should not get a gun. It's yeah. like you'll see the picture beforehand. It looks fine. And then it shows up at your door and it's all zoomed in and like weird shadowy. So like their <laughs> eyes look all dark and you and just it's look evil.
3: Black and white. Mine makes me look like the Unabomber.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's. If, if you find us uh, at the show, Jesse, Brian and I will show you. Like, you look at it and you're like, yeah, I would not give that guy a gun. <laughs> this new mix. Nice. <laughs> I've seen worse, though. I have seen worse. All right. Oh, see, I, I
3: love Slack. This is awesome. Yeah. Adam's the, reminding us. He's just we, telling us what to do on Slack right? now. We, we are see, scripted. You, they don't need us.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> just replace so. us with a bot.
1: So at uh, GopherCon, we will be giving out T-shirts. Uh, so if you want a T-shirt. And if and has everybody noticed the cool logo for GoTime now? It's like this cool little sphere thing. But if you look closely, no, no, there's hidden no, gopher no. in it.
2: Uh, no. Whoa. Hey, you
1: spoiled the secret, Eric. spoiled, Eric. <laughs> it was supposed to be a secret?
2: It's supposed to be something you discover on your own. Like, oh my gosh, there's a gopher here all along for three That's years. So I hadn't cute. seen it.
1: It's trippy, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Oh, I had such a kick when I noticed this oh, Look at that
1: I, I don't know, I think I see gophers all the time So it was like, as soon as I saw the logo I saw I saw the go
3: <laughs> It's like going to Disneyland Oh look, there's another Mickey There's another Mickey Oh, there's another gopher
1: See, Todd's in GoTime FM channel And he said it's not a secret He noticed as soon as he subscribed see, There's no secret You didn't screw it up, Eric Good job
2: No, it's all right
1: all right, so I think we're, we're extending everything. Um, we should probably wrap this up, though. Uh, and as we've already said all of our, our closing stuff, so I guess the, all that's left is uh, goodbyes, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Jesse. And oh, thank yeah, you, Jesse. thank you for
2: having me. This was cool.
1: Yeah. Thanks,
2: Jesse. This was super fun.
1: Yeah, we'll have you back on when you get like more into uh, what you're doing at Kubernetes, and you can talk to us about it. No, we're not bringing you
3: back until you have a budget
1: right
4: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell us somebody's budget if it's not your own budget it's got to be somebody else's yes yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. if you make one okay. up we okay. will not know
1: the difference anyway <laughs> all right everybody we'll see you next week that was fun goodbye
2: bye